0: Establishing a global mindset in the boardroom. Diversity is high on the agenda of boards, and we recorded many episodes where we looked at diversity from different angles. Although diversity is high on the agenda, we still see something different in boardrooms. More often than not, we see that the boards are filled with individuals whose nationality matches the location of the headquarters. FTSE boards are filled with British nationals, DAX boards are filled with German nationals, etc. etc. It is quite a challenge to establish a global mindset in the boardroom. Welcome to the Better Boards podcast series. In this episode, I'm thrilled to talk with Thomas Kipp. Thomas served on the board of Deutsche Post DHL and Aramex and worked and lived in Europe, North America and Asia. He's the newly appointed CEO of Nuckwell. I'm Dr. Sabine Demkowski, founder and managing partner of Better Boards. We make the boards of the most ambitious organizations more effective. Our mission at BetterBoards is to contribute to creating better boards. We do this by providing clients with an evidence-based approach for board evaluations and board development programs. We created an innovative digital platform that offers automated analysis, graph generation and comparisons, and individualized reports for every director. To fulfill our mission, we give a voice to all who care about creating Better Boards. Thomas, thank you so, so much for contributing to the Better Boards podcast series.
1: Thank you for having me, Sabine. It's a pleasure.
0: Thomas, you are a true global citizen. You served on the board of leading logistic organizations. And in your role, you established and managed businesses in Europe, North America, Asia, and the Middle East. How did you manage?
1: Well, thank you, Sabine. I think when I reflect upon this question, there's a few things that come to mind. And I think the, the very first and to me very often most important thing is my childhood. I grew up in a family with a very open mind for international cultures. My mother used to work as, a, as an au pair in France very shortly after World War II and And had to overcome a lot of difficulties during that time, but she loved the country so much that she she did the effort and my My father was an emergency surgeon and and when working in a hospital, I mean uh, quite a few colleagues on his team were were really from different countries so my parents brought me up with a with a very open mind to to international cultures and to, to appreciate the differences that, that international cultures would would basically bring to you. So, so I think that was one of my most important learnings and also the most important blessings for being able to adapt and um, my leadership approach, my, my business management approach later on in my, in my business career. I think the second element that I would always say is you have to be curious and open-minded. And maybe that sounds simple, but um, I think what you what you have to appreciate is to to understand how things are done in foreign markets. Yeah, and um, only if you stay curious and open minded, you you will have a chance to really understand as to how the things are done. Uh, how effective these solutions are, and and how different maybe they are from from how things are being done in your home market. and and then you you will be able to make, let's say, the the right connections as to is that giving you anything good, or is it something that you'd rather still do in your home market? Let me mention two more things maybe. The one right. is be respectful and authentic. I think if you want to be successful in a foreign market, I think you need to develop a similar or same level of trust as if you were working in your, in your home country. And uh, it might just take different approaches. And whatever you do, I think you will always have to appreciate that people will recognize if you are sincere. And sometimes you will not even notice that they notice. Yeah? So I think if you are respectful and authentic, chances are y- you will be able to, to be very successful outside your home country. And the last is play by the local rules and use them to your advantage. And what I mean by that is that wherever I've been working, I've been trying to understand what's the business environment, what's a cultural environment in in which I'm operating, and what are some of the key tricks of the trade that basically will help you to become an effective leader, uh, to become an effective business manager. And just a few examples, I mean, in Japan, when I was working in Japan, you, you have to appreciate that it will take people some time and, and typically you, you would say three dinners you know, to start respecting you and trusting you. And that's a start. And that's a very long journey. You know? If I go back to my, to my days when I was living and working in, in the United States, one of the things that I learned is that, that I always try to present ideas as if they were coming from the local teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah? So, so you made it their idea and their success. I was working quite some time in Spain and when you have to communicate in English, then you very often recognize that, that the Spanish people were not so comfortable in, in, in speaking in English. So I just introduced what I called native language breaks. yeah. So that allowed the people to, to speak in their own language, to to, to let the emotions come out. And, and, you know, I mean, there's Southern European passion and... And then after a minute, I would bring them together again. And then they basically were, again, more focused. So so little, little things yeah, from, from the local business environment. If you appreciate that, if you use them to your advantage, I think people will recognize that you're really making an effort in uh, working together with them.
0: I mean, in the meantime, you must have a fantastic, rich toolbox. <laughs>
1: I really appreciate the opportunity of speaking about it because when you do, you, you you have to really go back and really think about the the two or three or four things that you did or you did not, and not all of the lessons were that easy as they might come across right now in our discussion. But it's really amazing when you really go back uh, throughout my professional career over the last thirty years. There is, in fact, actually quite something that uh, I've been going through and, and and that I was able to learn when I when I did that. Yes.
0: And, you know, there's a reason why we are talking about this, because if we look at most boards and when you see the location of an organization and you look then at the composition of the boards, it is not this common that a board is truly a global board or a board that has a global mindset. I mean, one could say when one listens to the news these days, does a global mindset at board level still matter? What do you think?
1: Oh, absolutely. So especially in these days, because I think still it is a globally connected world. And we only appreciate that connectedness um, through the impact that the pandemic has taken on our businesses in so many ways. And I think that basically also commands an even better an even more effective approach in managing um, a global business. Because these uh, difficulties will potentially require different solutions, the ones that we haven't thought of, the ones that we took for granted, and and that now didn't don't seem to work. Yeah. So I think it's even more important you try and understand how you can leverage a global footprint or an international footprint in the business to your advantage.
0: I mean, it can be truly challenging when you bring a global mindset to a board. What challenges did you face? In boardrooms when you try to bring this global mindset into this environment?
1: Yes, I think the first is is just a practical reality. If you work in a given country and the board is basically representing that country, then chances are not too many members of the board really had a longer, practical, outside the home country work experience. I think this is still a very practical reality. There is actually data that uh, can support it to an extent on a global scale and across all levels. I think there's only 4% of the world's population who have ever left their home country and worked outside their home country for a longer period of time. So that already gives you a flavor as to the dimension of uh, relevant work experience. And I think it's it's typically that relevant work experience outside your home market that will give you a lot. More appreciation as to how to think about the international open-mindedness and integrating international aspects into the the work and the composition of a board. And for that reason, I, I think there's a few very very intuitive things. So the first is what I call misperceptions and and prejudices. If you live in a given country, there might be a few countries that you at least seem to be more familiar uh, with, at least from the outside, because they are more relevant economic nations uh, for your business. Uh, You might actually come across them in the news. So your level of comfort seems to be bigger in in handling that, despite the fact that you don't need to consider that in any way, shape or form when you build your board or when you build your your organization. And I think that's one thing. And then you first have to basically create the open-mindedness to really appreciate as to what is it that you basically bring as a business proposal into that, let's say, domestic board. One of the things that I try to to do actually with board member colleagues is what I call, I try to do immersive journeys. So, So really make an effort and convince your board colleagues to join you, maybe on a trip into any given market where you operate and basically build their own opinion, but on the ground rather than in a boardroom in your home country. And I know that's just a very, very small thing but already that takes a lot of effort. And I, I, I could happily speak a lot longer about that. I think the second aspect is, is a very natural one as well from a business perspective, which is risk concerns. If you don't know it, you typically have more, let's say, a critical mindset to these things. And, um, and I think this comes naturally because you might feel, again, more comfortable in understanding. So what are the risk? implications of doing business in an international market that I know better versus the ones I don't know that well. And the third one, what I very often found is past experiences. So according to the, to the motto, once beaten, twice shy. And so, so in, in that combination, you will find the various angles <laughs> of, of difficulty in, in creating, let's say, a very open and honest interest in the international aspects and giving you, let's say, the, the same level playing field as if you were dealing with business matters of your home market.
0: So what is it really that makes it so hard to establish this global mindset in the boardroom?
1: So, you know, I'm German and and I've been working with um, two duck 30 listed corporations. Yep. And one of the experiences that, that I made is when these companies, and, and they are successful in what they do, and especially they are successful in their home markets. So one of the things that that I found is they basically think that when they go outside the country and expand, it might happen that you are less successful because you're so successful in your home market. And if you go abroad and it doesn't really work in the same way as in your home country, then maybe that reflects upon you, your managerial capabilities, et cetera, et cetera. The second, I think, is You really have to appreciate the way how things are being done outside your home market. And you have to appreciate that you could actually learn something about that. And um, still, I think there's typically 10 good reasons why you would not want to reach out and immerse yourself in one or or more foreign markets that that would really be relevant to you. And then typically what I've seen, and and I, I thought that was a great effort to start with, is that on one occasion, our, our board decided to really move your desk into a foreign country for four weeks and then basically operate out of that foreign country for four weeks. So at least you would be spending, let's say, weekends in the foreign market and you would probably be living and, and working in a, in a foreign environment. And, and this is, I think, something that through the pandemic has obviously become more acceptable Yeah, because, I mean, remote working, uh, leveraging digital communication technology, obviously will give you that greater level of flexibility. So maybe that's an opportunity for boards to educate themselves about some of the key markets in which they operate or some of the key markets in which they would wish to operate as an opportunity to really learn and and appreciate these foreign markets.
0: So very practically, what barriers do you think need to be removed so that boardrooms are filled with people from different nationalities and with a global mindset?
1: So a couple of things. I think still in the first place, running a business with, with an international element is a clear strategic decision. And I think practically what I would like to see more is to really think through that decision as to what it will mean for your organization, what it will mean for designing or redesigning your leadership team what it will mean to actively integrate the international business into your company setup. And sometimes, like when you work in that international environment, it basically feels you're, you're a little bit like a satellite that's flying around Mother Earth. But it's not really integrated well in the organizational context. And you will come across about many examples where you basically send people from your home country to an expatriate assignment And then whenever these expatriates basically ask a question to come back, they potentially run into difficulties because then, I mean, they have fallen off the radar screen. So I think making your your thought process, not only on the strategy side and how to set up a business, but even more on the organizational and the cultural side, I think would be a very, very important part. And then I think that includes the question as to... so how will that be reflected in the composition of my board, of my senior management team, so that the international part will become something more normal and not something where, yeah, we say we're operating in international markets, but it doesn't really show in the way we're running the company. And the best way to show it is that your leadership team, your board represents that international reality.
0: And yet, I mean, we both know a lot of organizations struggle. I mean, I work with boards who admit that they do most of the business in other countries, and yet they don't even have a representation from that country where they have the greatest growth or where they do the most business on their board. How can this be?
1: And here, um, obviously, it's hard to look (laughs) inside the brain, yeah? (laughs) But maybe there's a few things like, I think the first thing is, it starts with yourself. And as we discussed earlier, I think I would not be surprised that there are many, let's say, personal insecurities. So in 1997, when I was working with a board in one of these ducklisted listed companies, there was no single board member except one who was fluent in English. And I think if you appreciate that you want to build an international board, the most intuitive thing is you would need to change your language logic to English, maybe to other languages in a different context, but most often it would turn into English. That basically means your conversations become more complicated because not every board member, not every person would feel equally comfortable in utilizing the English language for uh, business decisions. I mean, that's, that's very straightforward. And that creates insecurities because then you basically say, so maybe the international colleague is more familiar with the English language. So maybe he or she looks better than me in that discussion. Maybe I cannot express myself as effectively as if I expressed myself in the German language. So you need to be conscious about these things, and you need to be conscious that people will shy away from that so that they are not exposed to that experience. And I think this is one of the the key elements. I think the second element is, the question is to say, so how much effort would it take you to appreciate that international representation? And how can you grow to become a more effective colleague on the board within an international setting, equally effective as to who you are and how effective you are in a board that just represents one country? And I think that takes an effort. You have to realize that and you have to make uh, time and effort to do that. And I, I know one of my colleagues, he always actively reached out to me to basically say, look, how do I do that? Is this permissible in the context of country A? And if I go there, is there anything that I should not be doing? So little things. But if you don't really consciously reflect, you will not appreciate as to what it takes to be as effective as if you were operating in a domestic board environment.
0: Oh, fantastic. Lots of practical and real-life insights. Thank you so, so much, Thomas. So before we conclude, what are the three issues our listeners shall take away from this podcast?
1: That's a great question. I think um, let me start by the strategy angle. I think it is a serious, strategic, and business undertaking to really expand your business internationally. And I think you should really make a clear, conscious effort of how that should be reflected eventually in your leadership and organizational setup, from the boardroom all the way down to the shop floor. So that that is one thing from the organizational side. On the personal side. I think, as we just discussed, I think you have to overcome your insecurities, immerse yourselves into the international business environment, make a conscious investment to understand how to even better leverage your international capacity and capabilities for the success of the company. And the third aspect is stay curious and open-minded. Don't get frustrated. Try to understand how you can become more effective in these settings, because typically I've always found my work in an internationally composed board to be extremely rewarding, to be rich of learnings. And uh, very often it was really, really super enjoyable. So those would be my my three takeaways.
0: Fantastic, Thomas. Thank you so much for contributing to the Better Boards podcast series.
1: You're very welcome, Sabine. This was very enjoyable. Thank you very much for having me.
0: How can we help you and your board? We at Better Boards are always delighted to hear from you. You can best reach us at info at better